Happy Sunday. I'm Chad Bowen, and I'm the pastor of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church. We're a church in downtown Winona that strives to be God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. We continue to pray for our community, even you, especially as the cases of COVID-19 rise in our state. If there are specific ways that we can be praying for you, please let us know. Likewise, if you think God might be calling you to take the next step as you follow Jesus, nothing would please us more than to have the opportunity to talk to you about that. We're trying to find ways to provide you with opportunities to grow beyond worship on Sunday morning. This week, we're launching weekly curriculum for home-based small groups. And if you'd like to start one or join one, even if you can't join us for worship right now, if you'd like to be a part of a small group, uh, we would love to talk to you about that. Just give us a call. As always, you can reach us by email. My email address is chad, C-H-A-D, at morememorialumc.com. That's M-O-O-R-E, Memorial UMC, like United Methodist Church.com. Or by phone at 662-283-3804. You can also find us on Facebook at More Memorial UMC. Today we have a special treat for you. Our pastoral intern for the summer, Sidney Nelson, is preaching from 1 Peter chapter 3. This text is a culmination of this section of 1 Peter, the one that we've been looking at for the last few weeks, and it clearly instructs all of us on how to live faithfully in an unjust world. Sydney has worked hard all week to prepare this word for you, and I pray that the Holy Spirit uses it to touch your heart and to call you forth to love with the same love that Christ has loved us with. If you're blessed by her preaching, please make sure to find a way to encourage her this week as she continues to work with us and to discern how God might be calling her to serve. If you'd like to give to support our ministries, you can drop a gift off by the church office during the week, mail it to us at P.O. Box 467 here in Winona, or give online at our website. We're so grateful for the ways that you have held us up in prayer, with your notes and encouragement, and even with your presence uh, in this time as we have dealt with the coronavirus. We are worshiping in person again at 9 and at 11 on Sunday mornings in our Family Life Center. We're sanitizing in between to make things as safe as we possibly can. We would love to have you join us in person if you are ready for that and willing to take the risk. Thanks, and we hope that you enjoy the service today.
O Lord, you are our God, and we will praise you forever. By your grace, we will praise you for all of eternity, giving you the glory and honor and praise that you deserve. We pray, Lord, that today you would open our hearts and our minds, our ears and our eyes to know you by the power of your word. We know that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so we pray that as the word is read to us from St. Peter's epistle, and as it, as it is proclaimed to us by Sidney, your servant, that we would humble ourselves, that we would allow you to speak into our lives, that we would let your grace grow in us in a way that engenders in us trust in your truth and faithfulness as a response to your faithfulness to us. Help us to love one another. Help us to respond to injustice with kindness. Help us to be your people so that our lives might testify to your goodness at work in us and through us on behalf of the whole world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a reading from 1 Peter 3, 8-18. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, Sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what does it mean to love like a Christian? Just before we get into what we're talking about today in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 18, we're going to kind of recap where we've been in 1 Peter, because um, what we're doing today is kind of the final portion of this, Peter's, this part of Peter's letter. In the very beginning of this letter, Peter tells us that the Father knew us, called us, and made us holy through the Holy Spirit. We are then called to gird our minds for action and exercise self-control which means we are being called to subdue our human inclination and nature to then take on the tasks ahead of us as God's children and as holy priests. It can be easy to associate the word action with a grand gesture or a movement like running a marathon or battles in a war. But here we are preparing our minds for action. Our brains cannot run around out and about no matter how many B-rated horror movies would like to tell us differently. That can't happen. 
but our brains do correspond with our hearts to help us move and function both externally and internally. In Peter's time, and even today, maybe we can think back to Valentine's Day, we associate the heart with the center of feeling. This feeling associated with the heart is not just the immediate feeling when you bump your knee and the pain receptors go straight to your brain. No, this feeling is of something much deeper, much deeper and much more internal, and sometimes even subconscious. These are the feelings of the spirit. The heart allows us to have those feelings, and the mind, in conjunction with the spirit, helps guide the way with what to do with those feelings. How then do we take these internal spiritual reactions and glorify the kingdom in our external response to our brothers and sisters? Well, it helps to understand how we're even brothers and sisters with those around us. From something entirely other than ourselves. Our identity is made possible by what I like to call a spiritual DNA. The Holy Spirit resides within us and binds us as the co-heirs to the kingdom as children of God. We are the living stones that surround the cornerstone, which is Christ. If we are not loving and carrying the burden together, even of the broken stones, if not especially so, then the temple will crumble. Peter calls us to love each other as brothers and sisters in 122. And not only are we called to love, but we are called to love deeply. Surface-level love, or simply being cordial and nice, is not going to cut it. Love hurts, and it requires hard work and determination and intentional time. But anything that is precious often does. Diamonds are precious not just because they are beautiful, but because their beauty comes from hard pressures and time that forms them. Think how precious God and Jesus must see all of us to have gone through all that they have for our eternal salvation. So now, after having set the stage with all of this, Peter brings it home by bringing together the answer to what it means to love like a Christian. Peter has created here a love your brother and sister sandwich. Just like in writing a paper, you begin and end with the same idea because the idea is what is the most important thing to convey. In seminary, we sometimes do what they call a seminary skim. While I wish this was some sort of fun dance move, it simply is the nickname given for reading the introduction and conclusion of a book when you did not have the time, or you procrastinated, to read the whole thing. That's because the intro and conclusion make clear the main idea the author is trying to convey. I would like to preface that you should not do this. Try to read the whole thing when you can. <laughs> we are all the living stones together. When a building is built, each stone bears the weight of the stones surrounding it. And that is the same thing we are called to do by Peter here. If one living stone in the temple is broken, is it helpful to condemn or remove that stone for its weakness? and allow for the rest of the temple to fall for the sake of repaying a weakness for a weakness? No, of course not. Instead of repaying the stone's weakness with condemnation, it is the hard and arduous job of the other stones to bear the weight of that stone's mishaps. This is what Peter is saying when he says sympathize with one another. Sympathy means to listen for the ability to comprehend and understand the heart of the person in which you are listening to. We do not listen to respond, we listen to understand. It requires us to humbly forego ourselves for the well-being of another. 
It asks us to take on the humility that comes with putting others before ourselves. In line with this, we are called to love deeply and with a tender heart. But what does having a tender heart mean, and how does that even come into play when we're loving our brothers and sisters? Well, a tender heart means that you embrace the souls around you with love and allow the hurt that comes with life to simply be a part of molding you to love better. In the movie Unbroken, about Olympian and World War II officer Louis Zamperini, there's a wonderful example of what it means to have a tender heart for humanity, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain. Louis Zamperini endured great torture and heartache throughout his time in a Japanese concentration camp. He himself, along with watching his fellow soldiers, received firsthand the weight of other men's hatred and wrongdoings. At the end of the story, though, Officer Zamperini shows us what extending a tender heart looks like. Instead of festering hatred, Zamperini goes back to Japan and meets with his captures. He not only has extended forgiveness, he has extended brotherhood. He has extended Christian love. Here is where we are also compelled to action in unity of the Spirit as members in God's family. We are compelled to action as God's children for the sake of all of his children and for something much grander than ourselves. We are called to leave a heavenly legacy of love here on earth. Peter says that we are not to retaliate or seek evil for evil. We are not to seek vengeance for the wrongdoings committed against us or the ones that we love. I'm going to stop here and preface by saying that feelings of anger or hurt or sadness that come with being hurt by another, by being harmed by a group or one person individually, are absolutely valid. There's no way to diminish that, and I wouldn't want to. But feeling those feelings and allowing them to sit there and then doing something with them is entirely different. You can express those angers to God and lay that hurt at his feet, and you may have to do that for a long time. But after you do, where do you go from there? We could dwell in the hurt, we could dwell in the anger, in the sadness and the anguish, and we could let it eat at us. You are entitled to do that, but we are commanded to act otherwise. There is great strength that comes with having a tender heart because it means you love deeply but it also means you hurt deeply. The command that Peter offers here is that both in the midst of and even after the pain of heartache caused by another, we are to pray a blessing upon them. That sounds crazy, and it is, or at least it sounds crazy to human ears. But it answers in its entirety the question of what it means to love like a Christian. Peter has now entered into the conclusion of this portion of his letter. He is taking all of the elements he has mentioned and is wrapping them up into one crucial message. We are called to love radically, even when it hurts and even when it defies the human desire for vengeance. And this love should be equal because all of us are made equal by the new identity given to us through the Father. And we are bound to that identity through the Holy Spirit. It seems quite unpleasant, and to be honest, that's probably the point. The call to a Christian life has never come with the promise of ease, but it has come with the promise of eternal love beyond human imagination and eternal salvation. And the strength to endure love even in the midst of pain comes from our relationship with the Father. To sympathize means we are called to understand who the soul in front of us is. 
by seeking to understand others, we are following into the unity of the body and the spirit. When someone does you wrong, we are called to have the strength and faith and love to call on God's justice and grace. This includes asking for blessing upon that person's life. Asking for a blessing includes asking for good and righteous things to be manifested in their lives and in their hearts. Perhaps that seems unfair, but that's because love is not about us. It's about bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. And the kingdom of heaven is something that's much beyond ourselves. For example, for the non-believer who does you wrong, why wouldn't you pray for God to meet them where they are and their souls to be changed? Think hard on this. Is someone's wrong deeds worth you not praying on their behalf? Because the alternative is an eternity of immeasurable pain instead of just the pain within one lifetime. For both the believer or the non-believer who harms you, still we are called to pray a blessing into their lives. As you seek to understand them and know that understanding someone is not the same as condoning or agreeing with the wrongs they do, but it does give you insight into how to pray for them specifically. Perhaps their family needs your love and prayer and is suffering. Pray a blessing upon them that God would intervene. Perhaps the person who hurt you has been hurt by others or is even physically ill. Are we praying that both spiritual and physical healing are taking place in their lives? For the parents in the room, does it ever hurt you or anger you when your children fight? You want them to get along. They're not supposed to be the same people or conform to one another. No, but you do hope that they will grow together and learn to love each other. I cannot help but wonder if God does not have the same hope for his own children. Our country right now is divided on a multitude of issues. Everyone has their position on a different matter, and each side feels that they are completely and totally right. And then there is personal hurt and anger from the backlash of each side towards the other. What would happen if we took a step back and viewed each other as brothers and sisters instead of enemies on divisive and charged issues. In what Peter is asking us to do here, he is telling us that we are to humble ourselves to a point beyond our own ideals, so that even he, even the person who has offended us can receive our prayer for their blessing. The person's soul is worth Jesus' eternal sacrifice. They can certainly be worth a few minutes of our lives to pray a blessing upon them. Peter says that by doing this, you may inherit a blessing. But he's already made clear that blessing or no blessing, it is by our identity that we are called to love, forgive, and yes, even pray a blessing upon those who harm us. Spiteful vengeance and hateful retaliation are not of the Father, and therefore they are not of us. If we are seeking to do good and seek a life set apart from the brokenness of the world, then anything that is not of the Father cannot be of us. Anything that is not of the Father is the opposite of love. In verse 11, he says, let them seek peace and pursue it. This means that peace is something that we must work towards and pursue. 
We cannot have peace with one another simply by sweeping things under the rug or stopping at apathetic forgiveness. As Christians, we are called to love radically and work towards peace. Another one of those precious things that requires hard work and time to cultivate. By forgiving and praying a blessing on those who harm us, we are moving into living through suffering for the sake of a love and goodness that is beyond ourselves. These are the actions that develop righteousness, and righteousness is of the children of God. If you are praying with a loving and righteous spirit, imagine the answers that will be given. Imagine seeing the power of God at work in the person's life, even the one who hurt you, whom you are praying a blessing for knowing that God is hearing your prayers and taking action because of them. That is heaven on earth. He knows our hearts and what we long for, and he hopes that what we long for is peace and love for all our brothers and sisters. Therefore, the call to love radically is not something we have not seen before. Jesus showed us this example through the life he lived here on earth, and it is by his strength and unity in the Spirit we would be able to love like he loved. That we would be able to love like Christians. We have talked a good bit about what it might look like to suffer for the sake of doing what is right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the Sundays to come. Of course, this is never a fun topic, but it is a good and wholesome topic that roots us into what it looks like to be called into a Christian life. Next week, we are going to unpack the goodness and the glory to the kingdom that comes with a life lived for doing what is right, no matter the circumstances.
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Moore Memorial UMC today. We'll be here at the same time next week. If you'd like to enjoy some socially distanced visitation, join us on the front porch of the Fellowship House on Monday or Thursday this week. We'll be there from 10 to 11.30 a.m. All scripture readings come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. Now may God's grace go with you as you seek to turn the other cheek and pray a blessing over all of your enemies. Go in the love and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.